What up, everybody? We're back again. This is episode three of On the Mic with Becht podcast. Today, we have another special person in the building. <laughs> we got a poet in the house. Her name is Winter. Can't wait to touch base with her. Thank you guys for tuning in. So, Winter, I'm so happy you're here today. I'm so excited. Oh, my God. Y'all see the book? You see the Luke of the book in the middle here? We love it. Come on. My sis is a published author she is a published poet okay like she's a spoken word artist went to tell the people where you're from i'm from the bronx new york (laughs) (laughs) yeah i grew up by yankee stadium um literally in the bronx my sister's back in the morris um where are your people from like your people where's the roots give me the roots the lineage Uh, okay so my mom's side it's like West Indian, Trinidad, Tobago. That's what we do over here. And my father, black. <laughs> That's what, hey. He black, black. Yeah, so, yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you, so, I guess I want to kind of just jump in. I, you know, I'm also, you know, I'm also a poet, I'll be right. So, but I do always wonder, like, because when I was a child, <laughs> when I was 13, I got into Charles Bukowski. I know it sounds so random because I'm like a black poet, but um, he's not a black poet. He's some random person, but that sparked my inspiration to like mm-hmm. write. I'm like, well, I got feelings and emotions. I want to put it in prose form. Like, when did you find that, like, like, okay, I guess that like poetry is going to be my medium for art. Um, or do you also write short stories? Do you find yourself writing short stories? I write, I started off writing short stories. I was introduced to poetry similar to you, Edgar Allan Poe. Really oh, we're so yeah. random. These whites. Yeah. You know? But, um, <laughs> <laughs> it's true. I love, I love, don't get me wrong. I love that an artist can inspire another artist. It doesn't, it's yes. like, it transcends race, but it's always like, is it random that these old white men? I'm like, I love it. Yeah. You know, so, like I just, I grew up um, in poverty. So a lot of my writing was always about rich people. Like just trying to, it was more of an escape um, at the time. And once I was introduced to poetry, my whole life changed. Like, I was like rhymes, <laughs> <laughs> right? Rhyming scheme. Like, did you? So, were you introduced to like paper, like pen and paper, or was it more like this spoken word artist? That's what I want to do. I want to get up here and I want to just speak my truth like uh, this. Like, like who? So did it you was see? it was pen and paper. I would just write it out, mm-hmm. and then when I went to high school, is when I was really introduced to spoken word. I had these people from Urban Word come, and they were um, spitting the school, and I was like, this is a thing. And then I had a mentor at the high school who would take us to open mics and what may have you and like slams and things like that. So I was introduced to it. I was very shy. Uh, the winter, you know, now is like, I'm like not that winter. No, she's a, it's, it's a bit of an evolution. I was always very brutally shy. So I never really got up there. I remember my AP English teacher one time literally tried to throw me on stage with one of my poems and I did not show up. I was like, no, thank you, sis. <laughs> so yeah, I didn't think I, I had anything worth sharing. So um, that changed for me. Like in 2017, I wind up going to New York weekend with my cousin one time and Roya Marsh was there. Um, Jive Poet. Yes. Was there, and, um, Mahogany Brown was there. Yeah, like oh wow! I'm like, what? She was at she would be at New Eureka. And I'm sitting there and I'm watching Roya Marsh in a poetry slam, and she like was. I'm like, yo, like I literally do this. I literally be in my room doing just this, like reading my poems out loud with this much emotion. Like I can do this. 
Um, so I wind up applying, um, someone I know is an event coordinator and I wind up applying to perform at one of her events and that was my first feature and first time performing live. I was shaking in my boots, reading from my phone, but it was the catalyst for the winter we know now. Oh, we um, love it. <laughs> I, I was going to ask you, I was like, what, like, what was your first, like, open mic? Mm-hmm. Oh, come on. That was recent. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you, y'all, like, when to be performing, like, she's like, I do this in my sleep, okay? Like, I, what I really, so <laughs> when I dived into soul right here, guys, y'all see soul right here? When I dived in, I found out, so I know that this book is, like, it's giving like body autonomy it's giving like love yourself for you i am reflecting inward and i'm letting you know that like i've been through these trials and tribulations through my like it gives you like this pile this sorry this path from like your youthhood to even present day your your metaphors that you even use in a lot of your pieces go right back to like your body and like you know like your reflection and your you know i was reading i was like i was reading i was was like it's giving that and i i think that's what i love about this this project that you did here is just really going to empower a lot of like black women, a lot of black mothers, a lot of black, you know, just people in general. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, when I started writing it, it was right there in the beginning of the pandemic. I had just gotten furloughed from my job. Mm-hmm. I was suffering a, a rough patch with my partner. And I was saying to myself, like, what am I going to do with all of this time that I never had? So I started living my James Baldwin life, really ah! going to Prospect Park on unemployment. Child, I had that good old unemployment. Jello. <laughs> so I was writing, getting, you know, I was writing in the park and I was just like, you know, I see a theme here. Like I keep reverting back to something. And it was really therapeutic to kind of, um, I guess, excavate a lot of things that I hadn't realized I was dealing with in the form of poetry. And once I started to see what exactly my soul was saying at that point, I was like, oh, okay. So really what soul is, is like, it's a a story of my relationship with my body and how it's evolved over time, like the places it's been, <laughs> child. And, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> how that's differentiated over the years. And for me, it got really like more concrete when I found out I was pregnant with a girl. And I was just like, okay, yeah. You know, she needs to understand that whatever... The, whatever trial she goes through, especially as a female, as a woman, it's very much real and you don't have to feel ashamed about it. You know, like you don't have to feel like you're less than like your mom went through this and she wrote the book and the story for everyone to realize that there's nothing to be ashamed of. Mm, I love it. <laughs> I love it so much. I was I was really into one of your pieces. It's called like Seventh grade oh. it spoke to my shondo um it's just the way that you okay let's 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 dissect um <laughs> it's the going to that moment in seventh grade where you you were you know confronted with like mm-hmm. let's just let's break it down to something simple naysayers and then looking back now like looking back in retrospect and comparing to like how you deal with it now and just drawing from that moment of like a painfulness, mm-hmm. you know, like I I found okay I found that journey that made me cry a little bit because I'm like girl I was there, but you also use a lot of metaphors for like surgical precision, like you surgically precisely wrote that poem, oh. but it's like the the <laughs> your tongue and your you use a lot of parts of your body to expl- to explain how parts of your body felt, and I thought that was brilliant and beautiful. Thank you. 
girl, right. Let me tell y'all, like when to be right, when to be like, let me bring you in the inception of the inception of the inception. Like you really break down the fundamental, like, you know, ish. No, it's true though. It's like, you really broke it down. It was like, you know, like my own tongue, like a surgical tool is like cutting into me from like something from the past. That like, cause I, all I think about it, if I break it down is like laying down at night and like, you know, remembering an, a hurtful moment, embarrassing moment, like bringing that back to like, how can that, Teach me now. How how can I grow from that now? And you do that really well in that piece. Thank so you. what was the inspiration? Even though I can read it, but like <laughs> I want to know the inspiration behind that piece. Okay. So as I said, like the theme here is really my relationship with my body. And one of the things like that I have a like I have a lot of insecurities naturally. I'm a I'm a person, I'm a woman. And one a of the good looking woman. <laughs> thank you. I feel that way now. Hello. Hello. <laughs> it took me a while. But uh um one of the things that you know catapulted that poem was like really thinking about why did I feel unattractive for so long like at what point in my life did I even like associate myself with being anything other than beautiful like and really I you know I was like packing unpacking unpacking and it went back to like being in the seventh grade and at the time, being dark-skinned, let alone dark-skinned and thick, mm. child, like, was not the thing. Like, it was skinny, light-skinned girls, skinny Puerto Rican girls. I was in the Bronx, I told you. Uh, so, you know, if you wasn't that, then it was very much, like, you know. And I remember, like, I, I always kind of, like, hung out with the popular crowd, but I never really fit in with the popular crowd. I was there, but I didn't fit in, you know. So I, I, rem- I remember, like, people saying like certain things like oh you know because you tar or you know like I have a small nose I'm not like uh I'm not your average looking black woman right I have a small nose I have thin lips things like that so I remember like being called Michael Jackson and stuff like that so yeah like I was just like oh like okay so let's unpack that a little bit and I remember like you know just feeling like certain things I wanted to like just take off my body like I didn't want it because of the fact that people didn't see it as beautiful so because they didn't see it as beautiful I didn't see it as beautiful and um just happened to restructure and redefine that narrative and conversation with myself that's what that poem was like this is this was it was a love letter to myself like this is where it started and this is where it ended we're gonna leave it there at that recess yard Ugh. Sorry, I was like really into it. <laughs> I'm really feeling it because I love the title of this book because I feel like like it's also a double entendre in a way because it's like we we have a we all have a soul, but we have this but we don't have a body. Like this body going to die. Mm-hmm. It's a sack of meat. But to just name this uh, about uh, about this being like our soul and like something that we carry with us it's, it's more inherent than like oh like our body like what we are on the outside is not what we are on the inside so yes, it's like yes. i think that's also like what's really cool about this book is that it's like it, it you, you you look inward to mm-hmm. like how you feel and then like versus how you present yourself to the world and how the world sees you that's another aspect it's like mm-hmm. how do these people receive me you get um it. so I do, I, i'm here for it i'm here for it girl i love when people get it. it i got it i got it i got it i love it um you have also what I found really cool when you perform at shows. Sometimes you find um, music that you integrate into your pieces. Like, what inspired you? Because I realized that that was kind of like recent. Like, I feel like 
in the last like two, three years, I see, or maybe maybe four. What, what year is this? Twenty twenty three? Four years. Right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> you you know, I've seen you come on stage. Um, what's the guitarist? The Kusha? Shaq. Yeah. Yeah, Shaq. He's awesome. I've seen mm-hmm. you like integrate poetry and music. So what has mm-hmm. that journey been like? Because you you know you mastered the pen and paper. You mastered the 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 spoken word. What was it like working with like music, another like medium? Well, that's my original medium, right? Ooh. So I grew up in the church singing on the choir. My uncle was a choir director, so I've always sang. Um, and I, well, I guess I wrote songs too. Like I used to like write little R&B remixes. Uh, I was like a Wilder Yankovic, but like in black awkward girl form. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like I, I would do that. So like I was just like, you know, wanting to just have a play on all artistry, all things that I feel like I'm capable of doing at the time. So yeah, and Shaq is just talented, too talented not to partner with. You know, yeah, Jack yeah. is cool. Shaq, cool person. Shout out to Shaq. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess my next question would be, um, what, like, okay, <laughs> where do you see yourself in like the next five years? Are you publishing your next piece, or are you doing more tours, doing spoken word? Do you prefer like just doing readings, or like do you like the, I guess the spiciness of the, <laughs> of the spoken word community? You know, uh, like well. I guess it really depends, right? So I really, really do enjoy the intimacy of a reading um, and just giving a voice to the volume of my book and or whatever is on pen and paper at the time. Like, I, lo- I love giving a voice to that. Because a lot of times I'm writing things and it's really just what's on my heart. It's not even like I'm, I'm like, oh, this is going to be dope on stage. Like, no. Like, I when I write something, 90%, no, excuse me, 100% of the time, it's from my heart. It's from something that I experienced, something that inspired me, something that I saw, and I was like, this is this is something that needs to be spoken about, you know? So, like, <laughs> um, it's, it's always very, like, uh, intimate, and I love to hear people's uh, depictions when I, when I read something off of, you know, that's new. But uh, there is something about reciting a poem in a room full of people whose pen works period you know and and just getting that sort of uh reverence from people whose pen works that that hits home all the time especially uh, when you're a girl who didn't really feel like you had anything to offer a stage anyway oh well, yeah. so let me tell you something your <laughs> pen hit and that's rare i want to listen no shade i've been in this community Ooh, a lot for yeah. a long time <laughs> i'm a creative writing major I'm an Academy Award winning poet in 2017. I'm going to tell you, I write for paper and I can I can read. But not many people can do both. Like some people, mm. best slam poets, but slam God. you down, okay? You ask them to write something. That's a technique. Mm. It's a, people don't understand like that there's a there's a skill and a technique. And it's not no nothing is less than the other. It's a technique with getting on stage and delivering to an audience. Yes. But when you actually can sit and be like, I'm gonna put some commas, I'm put some semicolons, and some hard stops, and I'm gonna put a cadence in here. You're not gonna forget, and that's what you do well. How your pace is perfect, um, even your visuals and stuff, like the way we read and accept things on paper, like it's all comp- like it's all like a computer, our brain, our eyes, and how we, uh, mm-hmm. you know, accept words. Mm-hmm. Um, you're able to place it out, space it out to be like, there's a beat here, and I'm gonna show you because I'm gonna bring this over like three tabs. And it's like you know, like, and it, you're gonna breathe when you read people's. Pe- it's hard to do that because. Sometimes mm-hmm. you read things straight down and people still have a skill yeah, in breaking it. up a cadence, mm-hmm. but you break yours up in a way where it's like, this is for the every man. Like I'm going to break this up. So, you know, like here's a beat, here's a, here's a break. Mm-hmm. 
this is the cadence of the poem. This is the mood of the poem. This is what I'm going to open with. You open with like icebreakers pretty well. I think you know how to open and close a piece really well on paper. So my like my one of my last questions I want to get into before you read Winter, um, this book, this beautiful book here. What in so like how long did it take you to put together all of these pieces into one compilation? Um, did you <laughs> are these old pieces missed new pieces? Mm-hmm. Um, I because I know I've recognized some stuff, but I'm like how what was this grueling process like what was the publishing process like um editing process like i want to know the emotions oh <laughs> girl a lot of self-doubt um it's really great. a lot of self-doubt a lot of um chad what you doing like why are you doing this you know but a lot of a lot of the pieces in there are are things that were written from 2020 up until um 2022 um but some of them like are are older pieces that were like modified um like i felt like the metaphors that were used were were suiting so i i really like shifted a couple things around to like really match the vibe of what i was trying to project in the book yeah you like moved it to paper Mm -hmm. you're like this is for paper now Mm -hmm. (laughs) can't hear when i project here but i like different you are a different girl (laughs) love it oh y'all cop this book but when to tell people where we can find you on the interwebs and where we can find this book. You can find this book on Amazon. It's soon going to be on my website, winterwrite.com. Um, yeah, and you can find me on Instagram at bywinterwrite. I do a whole bunch of stuff there, so I'd love to connect with you. What's up? My name is Winter, and this next poem I'm going to do is called Hot Seat. For the boy who told me I was fire. No. I be with the fire heats. I be boiled blood mimicking the melting pot of the woman who came before me. Their hips, low temp, stewing, stirring, and shaking. Ain't this body a potion? Ain't it slow roasted? Don't it fall off the bone? Don't men salivate at the marrow? Wishing to leave scraps of me on dinner tables? Don't women covet the recipe? Questioning how I be, soul food, eye candy, fun size, and full figure. Don't I lack measurement? Like grandma's cooking, spilling all over, ain't I a product of God's heavy hand and eyeballing? Don't the men glued to corner storefronts become the cornerstone of the bridge between my girlhood and the woman who's grown right before their eyes? Don't my thighs tempt teeth? I watch fangs protrude faces and cats cold call like they speak the language of pussy. When pussy only wishes to respond when in heat, it's easy being mistaken for the fire that supplies the heat when you understand its language. This next poem is called Fast Food. A wise woman once told me that a hungry dog is never loyal. She said some dogs can't get full. Some dogs are mentally in the wild scouring as many paths as they could for food or safety or a way into another's home or more simply put, some dogs are just looking for a bone. A hungry man once told me that monogamy is of the selfish, that he indeed had enough love to go around only. He didn't have enough love for himself. He loved the idea of being full, so he'd feast on as many hearts as he could, and this he said was his ability to be in touch with his inner God. His ability to remain omnipresent, his ability to leave himself and women so they could feel him, even when he wasn't there. Yo, he'd lie on his back. And he'd lie through the skin of his teeth, but this he said with his ability to make deposits, although his sense of account was empty. But this he said was hope, 
The woman thrived on the idea that one day his brokenness might be able to make change. Yo, I've heard cats have nine lives and all dogs go to heaven. And this is true. See, I've seen cats die in the arms of women and make it out alive. I've seen dogs find heaven in between a woman's thighs and leave her home empty, replacing her comfort with demise. I've seen dogs beg to hit it in the morning, then break fast, munching on every snack he could come across, popping cherries, planting seeds, leaving the colorful trees of his past behind like Pac-Man. Yo, I've seen rabbit dogs chase down women and leave them with the scars to tell the story that they were once locked in the jaws of a sick dog, one whose mind was far gone and preferred all his women on all fours hell-bent so he can't see their face when they realize that he is a monster. See, hungry dogs only know two things, food and safety. So where there's a heart, there's his feast, and where there's love, yeah, there's his retreat. And although he may be stubborn as a rock, he's still a rolling stone. And his body wanders because his mind is not at home with his soul where it should be. So when you find yourself a hungry dog with a nick from a hidden chip on his shoulder and a knack for fast talk, don't you pat his whack ass on the back, girl. Don't you give that dog a bone, girl. Leave that dog alone. Don't give that dog a home to some sniffing when he realizes that a warm meal is not the only thing that he's missing. That self-love is just a trick he never learned. And as a boy, his father taught him how to doggy paddle through women till he's dripping with bitches, but never how to swim, never how to fish, never how to be his own home-cooked meal, only how to make his grocery list. And by the time he realizes that all he has to offer is something stiff. He would have been only trained to sit and to lay down, but never to stay. You see, that big dog, this puppy play. My mother once told me that all men are dogs. But this begs the question, are all dogs hungry? Are they trained to sit and stay because they want to or because they anticipate the promise of a treat? My grandmother once told me that he who finds a wife finds a good thing. So I stopped searching. And I stop trying to domesticate wild things. See, I'm here to tell you that you can often mistake a person's hunger with greed. So don't go luring people in with treats. And don't feel the need to feed every hungry dog you see for he made a mistake that, um, that home-cooked meal for fast food. This next poem is from my book called Soul in its seventh grade. This one's for you, Bex. The Recess Yard morphs into a wasteland of my confidence. Body parts severed, scattered. Pretty girls turned into surgeons. Their tongues like scalpels. They pick me apart. My mirror's image, disjointed. I often visit the recess yard. To pick up my remains, it's still too bloody. I wear the blood stains on my teeth from using self-deprecation to translate the hieroglyphs of my scars. My tongue is now the knife. I sedate self-esteem like it won't require a recovery when it awakes. I have yet to reattach to the things that were amputated on recess yards. <laughs> I have yet to reassemble. I have yet to be whole. You guys, that was Winter Wright again. You could find her on IG at by Winter Wright, right here. Just click on that or follow it on IG. You could find her book Soul on Amazon, or you could find it on winterwright.com as of March 1st on her personal website because my girl is doing it big out here. Um, as always, you guys, you can find me at On the Mic with Bex on IG. You know, any local artists that want to be featured on our podcast, please slide in my DMs like a Jamaican pops letter. And I'll be there to answer.
back home. Take care, as always.